I always just thought it, I was like a kind of higher functioning autistic person. Like these traits of ADHD, which are all over social media, like, I think I might have that, you know? And then often like same with dating, I'm like, I didn't get the point of going on this date, so I won't go on this date. I didn't see the point in this conversation. Actual binge eating, it's like out of control. It's mm. not that you're enjoying the food, it's that it's a compulsion. When I eat chocolate, I just end up eating, or like have one biscuit, I eat all the biscuits, right? Welcome to the Forgotten 23 Hours Podcast, Scotland's fastest growing self-development and fitness podcast. I'm here with Emma. Uh, we got a few topics to cover today. One actually that uh, I didn't realise um, that, that Emma was in this circumstance, but which we'll cover in a wee second until about five minutes ago. Um, so very, very relevant guest uh, to get on. But for those that don't know you, Emma, do you want to give a wee intro to yourself? I always get this wrong. As short as possible, as much as needed. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thank you wrong. very much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And yeah, I'm Emma. I run primarily an online coaching program or numerous online coaching programs. I also run an education course for personal trainers. And now I also mentor personal trainers to help them build their businesses. Okay. So that's something that I think where the kind of natural pr process for a coach goes because you start off, you maybe, did you start off, you do one-to-one -one in, in person? Yeah. Or did you just go? Yeah, one-to-one -one in person, like the usual kind of progression. Today, what I wanted to kind of touch touch on was just the fact that um, I think that right now, people tend to over overanalyze like what they need to do in terms of like to get the result and then whenever they whenever they go and they try and achieve the result you ever heard of like the emotional cycle of change mm -hmm. that whenever they go and do something i know you've got the the what's it called commit to six yeah um i've run 12 week, 12 week challenges i've run other kind of smaller challenges and stuff where do you feel as if because obviously there will be points where people struggle. Some people will absolutely thrive during that challenge. Um, and I think a lot of time in the industry, people tend to struggle, whether it's six weeks down the line, six months down the line, they will struggle at some point. How do you then, what is your view on these short, sharp things? And then where is there a place? And then where is there also a place for something beyond them? Mm -hmm. So, Commit to Six, the name, like, I don't love the name of it anymore. This is something I'd, I think it's been running for like five years now, right? right? Okay. Uh, it isn't a six week challenge. And it, like, I think there's numerous problems with challenges, partly mm. that they have an end point, mm -hmm. and partly that you're like, when it's a challenge, it's like somebody wins. That always weirded me out. It's like, oh, you're going to win X prize. And actually, the prize is like the result that you want like mm. it's almost just taking away from the fact that you're doing this for you as and then you're kind of encouraging like this external motivation in instead of like internal motivation and then when you have one winner you also have however many losers and I think like that yeah. is also quite demotivating for people mm. so most people stay on commit to six for like I've got people that have been on it for like three years yeah so it's not like as much as it's called a six-week program now from a psychological perspective if I was like, sign up for three years, yeah, people would be like, fuck, I'm not doing that. Like, yeah. I don't know you enough. I don't know the process. I don't know what I'm going to, yeah. I don't know what to expect, right? So part of it's the psychology of commit to this for six weeks, mm -hmm. right? And then you'll get some people that will do the six weeks 
honestly, if you engage in it, you ask the questions, you learn, you get the coaching and and you fully commit to it, those things that you learn in that six weeks, I've had so many clients that are like, I still use that now three years later, mm-hmm. but I'm not on the program anymore, yeah, yeah. right? They are kind of few and far between because most people, most people's problem with fat loss isn't knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. It's actually doing the thing, right? And I get a lot of people that come to me like, oh, you know, I don't know if I need coaching because I actually know yeah. what to do. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not the problem. Like the yeah. art of coaching is getting, like telling someone what to do is really easy. Like we could both do that in our sleep, right? Like I can set targets like really quickly. Yeah. The hard part or the coaching part really, because you can get that from Google. Mm-hmm. Right. Obviously, ours are slightly more educated and they're going to be better targets. But yeah. realistically, that's not what you're getting from coaching. People think they're coming for a calorie target and workouts. Mm-hmm. But what they're coming for is behavior change. Mm-hmm. And actually, I don't know if we're going to touch on this, but one thing you'd sent over to me before was talking about um, how life or personal trainers can sort of merge into yeah, life. Where, where's the line? Yeah. Sort of thing. yeah. And I think that's why there's a blurred line, because realistically, what people need is behavior change, not... Yeah specific targets Mm. and you kind of have to tempt them in with what they think they need because actually just as you were saying like some people don't know what they need yet kind of similar with like transformation photos and things like I'm not a massive fan of them Mm. but realistically I know that's why people come and then I actually want to attract the people that want that 12-week transformation so that I can change their mind right Now, if you're too far removed from that and you're like, why is everyone going to Sandra's shred, blah, 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 Mm. I'm giving them what they actually need. And I'm like, yeah, you are, but you still need to market it as what they want. No one's signing up to your three-year like lifestyle change because that doesn't seem exciting to them. They want six weeks of something. Yeah, yeah. No, I I 100% agree. And I think for, for me, whenever it comes to transformation photos, especially recipes and stuff, um that like the whole idea of like can you give me a meal plan like basically can i pay you to do the stuff for me the issue is like you can give people all the information like even like actually i'll give you a like a a working example once i I launched a kind of like a giveaway like a few months back right and it was for hitting a certain amount of followers and then i think 600 or 700 people got it right but it was literally everything you need for a result like Mm, all my stuff Right, maybe not the whole thing, but like majority of my stuff that I give to I give to clients. But the issue is they've got no structure, they've got no accountability, they've got no like they've not even set an actual proper goal beyond what they want. And then the majority of them, even though that's hundreds of pounds worth that I've given them for free, I can actually look and see who's logged in and who hasn't. Out of the six hundred odd people that have that have actually taken it up. 150 of them maybe logged logged yeah. in. 50 of them have actually watched the videos, and I can see that. And it's it just shows you the small percentage of people that go, ah, I'll deal with it later. I'll deal with it later, and they never actually do. And it's not until and I only realised this whenever I invested in myself, a business mentor, whatever. When you pay, you pay attention. Um, and this this I didn't want this podcast isn't about like signing up to either of our programs or anything like that. It's more when people about understanding investment and delayed gratification. And this is something that we'll actually touch on because it's something that we both struggle with and I've had to actually deal with ourselves. Um, and it probably leads me on to my next point um, because I only found out about four months ago, I think, um, that so I got diagnosed with ADHD. It seems to be like almost like a trend in the industry right now. Only found out five minutes ago that you got diagnosed with ADHD. Yeah. 
Um, because I, I think I'd, I'd message you on Instagram, and I think you'd I'd said something about it, and then you said it in part. But I thought it was like a like a throwaway comment oh, that you'd right. that you'd said. I didn't actually think. You know how some people go yeah, like yeah, see yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but well, that's the point, right? Everyone's like, yeah. I think the issue is everybody has traits of ADHD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my theory now, as well, is that most people are more along the spectrum than if you checked everyone ten years ago mm-hmm. because of social media, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you're bored, like we know that like you've got to capture someone in your reel within the first like half a second yeah. of your reel, right? Yeah. If they're bored, they just swipe on, right? Mm-hmm. No one's ever bored anymore. Yeah. Whereas previously people would just sit and read and do, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. and you train your brain to what it's exposed to. Yeah. So if you're always exposed to like this immediate reward, oh, I'm bored of this, I'll just do something else right now, mm-hmm. then you are kind of like your concentration span is way less than it was. Yeah. So I think when people see oh, like these traits of ADHD, which are all over social media, like, oh, I think I might have that, you know? Yeah. I don't think I've met anyone that's like, oh, I think I might have that. But I think, like, what, what age did you get diagnosed? Um, About 13. 13. Like first year of high school, whatever. Right, because I'm nearly, I'm nearly 30, and I've always known for, for years that my, I just work differently. My, my brain mm. works very differently. Um, But I kind of just normalised it um, until it was at a point where... I'd had it was I think it was social media. I'd seen a few things, and for a long time I thought it was autism. I studied autism to like master's degree, designed toys for autistic ch- children, which I was kind of talking about. And I was just thought it. I was like a kind of higher functioning autistic person because of my kind of personalities, my obsess- my obsessive personality, um, and my addictive personality. But a lot of those traits transfer to ADHD. And um, whenever the BBC recently released like, a documentary about it, I think it very much like invalidated a lot of people. There was a lot of anger and stuff, including myself, about it because it's almost like this light bulb moment went off a few months back and now I feel very invalidated for it. And even for yourself, like years down the line, probably probably similar similar experience. The issue I find with it is that it's like people don't see it. Like people don't see the the how it affects your daily life right i think because of social media right everyone wants to be like successful they want to show their success they want to show so like from the outside in you'll be able to see me putting out recipes me doing this me doing that but see if you'd seen me this morning for instance like i was literally freaking out with all these cameras here like my wire was broken i was nearly throwing it off the wall like all these little things and like this emotional dysregulation it's like people People stub their toes, right? But do you stub your toe every second of every minute of every hour of the mm. day? Is it a con? Like, so this is where people have, everyone has some traits of it, maybe all the traits at some point in their life. But it's, if it's a daily struggle, that's where you need to obviously address it. Where it actually came to fruition was actually when my, my daughter was born because that basically made my, my whole world switch because it kind of it kind of stopped me from focusing on just me and just my business to mm. being able to to have to focus on when she went to when she went to bed what what happened with that and i found it really hard to like um to basically allow because I, I basically now stay up to ridiculous times at night even though i know about boundaries i know about all this sort of stuff and how to like and it's just that inability to do that. And this is something definitely that I speak I speak about with clients all the time. And I think people won't understand it until they'll never understand yeah, it if yeah. they're not if they're not if they're not actually got it. 
Well, um, I think what people don't see on social media is all the negative health outcomes as well. Like, you're far more likely to have an eating disorder. You're far more likely to struggle with binge eating. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have the same, like, the compulsion around food. Yeah. Like, delayed gratification. Like, this is why so many of, like, once I start speaking about it a little bit more, like, mm-hmm. so many clients come with ADHD because it is harder to diet, right? Mm-hmm. And you're also at higher risk of, like, numerous addiction. health outcomes, addiction, but mm-hmm. numerous health outcomes as you age as well and, like, a lower life expectancy. And people mm-hmm. are like oh, you know, it's kind of funny that we've got ADHD, I'll just walk into a yeah. room, forget what I'm doing, or blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's not that. Like, mm-hmm. that's actually one side of it, but there's actually quite a serious side that isn't mm-hmm. really spoken about so much. Do you find, uh, oh, I'll was, I was, I was talk about the medication in a second, but do you find that, so I, I find I find that, because it's a pretty recent thing for me, um, I spoke to you about this a few minutes ago, but obviously not on camera, I find that like I'm a completely different person in so many different lights, but I almost I almost find it's very hard to like even when we started this podcast, like I, I'm almost like, right, what hat am I wearing? And then you're trying to kind mm-hmm. of figure figure yourself out um until you get into a bit of a flow state and then you're really like it's like if someone speaks to me about small talk, right? I want to literally like crawl into a ball, right? I, I just can't deal with it. Whereas if someone speaks to me about something that I'm passionate about and I'm, I'm like I'm like like switched on, like very animated, whatever, I can speak in front front of hundreds of people about that topic. Whereas if it's something that like I'm not, like it's like it's like a totally polar opposite person. But then this is where I struggle that I'm like, am I wearing is that an identity crisis? Because it's like, am I wearing a mask? Or is this me? But like I just don't really care about this stuff. Like, have you yeah, ever so one that? one kind of like common trait, something that I work against quite a lot, and might be why I struggle with relationships. But if I don't see a point in something, mm. I find it very hard to do. Right, like, and a lot of people with ADHD are quite like reward driven. Mm-hmm. So if I'm like, oh, there's a point in reading this book because it might make me smarter in this subject. Right, mm. I've never read a fiction book. I have no concentration for it. Like, I'll start yeah. it. Some of the time, it's amazing, and then like. I don't get the point at the end of this. And then often, like, same with dating. I'm like, I don't get the point of going on this date, so I won't go on this date, right? Mm-hmm. So there's always, like, and I think it might be similar with you, like, if it's, like, small talk, talk conversation, you're like, yeah, I don't see the point in this conversation. I sincerely appreciate the support. Just make sure you're subscribed. The more subscribers we have, the bigger the podcast gets. Mm-hmm. So it's then hard yeah, to... Yeah. But I think the the whole, like diagnosis and understanding your traits and where they might be similar to other people with ADHD or that that might be like driving some of them Mm. it should be about understanding them and if you don't like them act against them right Mm. same with when people label themselves as like I'm an avoidant or I've got this attachment style or blah 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 like to me the point of knowing that and understanding that is so you can change it not Mm. so you can be like I'm an avoidant so this is how I act or I've got the one I hear all the time now is like I've got ADHD so I can't do that Mm-hmm. fucking bullshit yeah 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 that was actually one thing i wanted to touch off but i'll 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 park it just now because i think it's so many it's related to so many different things mm-hmm. in terms of diagnosis of this so then that's the excuse not to do it no one's saying it's not harder but like i think it was like i think it was will smith you might not people might not like him right but i always found it very relevant when he said it's, it's maybe not your fault this happened it's your responsibility oh like, yeah no one else is going to deal with it um but one actually thing i did want to chat about was um was see the the whole medication side of that like so i i've started i started medication a few months back and 
I'm not gonna lie, I've I've noticed I've noticed differences, but it's like it's like I find it's like a plaster on the actual deeper deeper thing. It's not, and it's very similar to like um, depression medication and anxiety, like because you're not get you're not dealing with the behavior and the root of the problem. It may help you do that, but see, unless you actually start to do that, it's not going to fix anything. Um, and I think that's why people obviously are on medication for forever mm. and then that becomes like the, the crutch what's your experience of that um i've tried meds and i have to say like in some ways very effective mm -hmm. um and then i did therapy which i think kind of similar to what you're saying mm. the thing is i would never want to say that as a blanket statement like i for me that was true as mm. in for me like it was probably like helpful in some regards but what would have been a better thing is to like figure out the underlying problem mm. or more like know your traits and then work around them mm -hmm. like things that don't work for me is like when people are like you need to focus on one task because if you're distracted like you don't work well mm -hmm. and I'm like no I actually really thrive off yeah I don't like too much distraction around me but like there's I'll a, be doing three things there, at once there's an optimal level yeah. of, of stimulus like I, like and you need to figure your own stuff out because like even I have I have stuff on in the background and I've had this my whole life I like even when I was studying I always had tv in the background mum would come in and and put it off like so like i'd always have stuff in the background i have to go to sleep with stuff i sincerely appreciate the support just make sure you're subscribed the more subscribers we have the bigger the podcast gets playing like i i can't deal with silence um so whenever i'm working whenever i'm doing anything i always have to have either a podcast on i, I can't be too interested in it though because then yeah. i'll be interested in that so it needs to be something oh, see, I can't or the same that. song or like, the same song over yeah. and over again even if and, and I only noticed this like later in life, I used to get really agitated when I was living at home with my parents because mm -hmm. they'd always have the radio on. And if you tried to speak to me while the radio's on, I have no idea what you're saying. Like if there's something else in the background, like I have no, I just zone out into whatever it is. But I found that like low level coffee shop, like stuff going on around you, but like not really anything to do with you and like noise cancelling headphones, that's yeah. like optimal for me. But I'll always be doing three or four tasks at a time. Like I can't just do one. I, I, like I find that do you find that you still complete them yeah because uh well I, I'll still complete them down the line but even for instance uh, I went over uh this morning to to go get a wire or something um that wasn't attached to that camera and I was an hour over there <laughs> and then I went to that camera I was like that wire's still not there yeah. like an hour later but don't you think like, like some of that's like I call it productive procrastination yeah uh -huh. And actually some of the like best stuff I did, like I've made a journal, right? And mm -hmm. the reason I made that journal is because I didn't want to do an EIQ lecture that I was writing. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, I've always wanted to do this. I'll just do this. And then mm -hmm. I never did that. I mean, obviously I finished yeah. it at some point, but like sometimes I think just going with the flow yeah. a little bit of what you want to do. Yeah, there's a part of me that right now, so like uh, I'm going to be releasing this kind of new resource. Called, I might call it something else, but it's called the meal prep menu, right? It's very comprehensive. I've been up till three in the morning. I said that to my clients I was going to do it for next week. I don't need to do it. For, no one's mm. forcing me, but I need to create that deadline um, in order to do it. But I don't need to do it by any means at all. Nothing's going to massively change my life unless I do it. Do you find as if you create crises, like um, do you create a crisis in your head to do the thing? I definitely set deadlines. I think that's good advice for any self-employed person because you technically don't have to do anything at any point and I think that's what people struggle with a little bit. Yeah. Even with like personal trainers coming from in-person to online, 
because they used to have to be there at X time for their clients. Now it's like, you've got all day to do this. And yeah. then Parkinson's law, like it yeah. takes all day, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I think setting deadlines is important. And then I like to be like, I thrive being quite busy. Yeah. If under, I'm not busy enough. Yeah. So yeah. If, if there's like not that much going on, I'll just create something else. Mm-hmm. Like there will be something else. That's mm-hmm. why I've got six businesses. Yeah. No, I know. 100%. I think, I think the thing is like the, the, the good thing about having the, the deadline. And I guess that links back to the whole, what we were talking about, the commit to six or mm-hmm. any like 12 week challenge or anything people do because like that, that creates that initial deadline. You create the habit around it. And then before, like, so then you, you you do get a lot of work done within that time. If it goes well, sometimes for, for people it doesn't. But if it goes well, you get a lot of work done within that time. And then that can set the standard for the future. But the issue is you need an exit plan after that. I always think whenever you've got one stake in the grass, you need to be looking for the next. So um, I think unless you have a bit of, like, self-awareness around that, you're going to end up just going through the, the kind of same old cycle. What is your view on, like, like self-awareness and like obviously if you've been through therapy um i'm going through therapy at the moment but like i'm very much i think if i if i wasn't a a coach i would definitely have went down the psychology route Mm -hmm. one million percent um everything i listen to is all about psychology um sometimes i'm speaking to my therapist and she's very surprised about how much I know about yeah, that. I, think, I mean, I think I learned more about coaching from doing my own therapy than I did from, well, definitely from a personal trainer qualification. Yeah. I, I think just to touch, before we move on to that, just to touch on like the six week thing or like the 12 week thing or the eight week thing. Sometimes when you put it in different situations, it makes sense, right? So I just got Invisalign. I'm not, this just reminded me that I'm not wearing my top brace. But anyway, you need to know roughly, if they were like, yeah, it's going to just take as long as it takes, which realistically I yeah. know, right? When someone mm. comes to you for fat loss, it's like, you want to give them a time frame but it's going to take as long as it takes mm-hmm. okay like if they say it's going to take 12 months but my teeth aren't straight in 12 months like mm-hmm. it's going to take a bit longer like i know that but i yeah. still want to know mm-hmm. like a ballpark figure of what to expect mm-hmm. and what was quite interesting about like really that whole sales process and there's so much relatable from like invisalign to like fat loss that yeah it just made me think how translatable it was like it, it's expensive right which means i'm going to wear them Mm-hmm. you like once you pay for something like you said once you're invested in it you're more likely to do it yeah and then it is this annoying thing that you have to do every day that you don't see a result from initially that actually feels quite shit makes yeah. you know like makes life a little bit awkward yeah and then like but for a later reward of i'm gonna have straight teeth in a year yeah. right same with fat loss it's like yeah you might not love going to the gym you might not love like saying no to that third beer you might not love like some of the compromises that you're going to make mm-hmm but you're waiting for that delayed reward. Mm. And I think the fact that you've invested in it is an important aspect to that. I know that like if these were free, I would have already taken yeah, them out. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, exactly. I might try it again next year or whatever. Yeah. That would be why people haven't like logged into yeah, the programme, no, right? A million percent. Yeah. I completely I completely agree with that. I think there's so much relatable to even like entrepreneurship and fat loss because mm. like anyone who has a business, they get to a certain level and then they go, ah, right, I'll do I'll do this next thing. Especially some ADHD. Yeah, yeah. But like I think with that and the whole delayed gratification and with with a bit of self awareness, you can you might you probably never be able to fix that kind of urge to. But it's like feeling the emotion is fine; that'll always be there. But then acting on the emotion is a is a is a different thing. I think that's like true, like control. Being able that's to why I got this tattoo. What 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 is so it? So it's it's a wave. Oh, I've got a wave. Oh, I like it's it. It's not as nice looking as um, 
it's essentially about like feeling something and letting it pass. Like, and actually Alex Hormozzi speaks about this with impatience. And I was like, that is just so key. Like, I think some people are like, yeah, but I'm impatient. Mm-hmm. As if they're the only people that are impatient, yeah. or like, I, I like food. Oh, too so, much, yeah, I, I like food. Oh, sorry, everyone that's lean doesn't like food. Like, probably yeah. the opposite, right? Yeah. So, with the impatience thing, it's like I feel impatient, mm-hmm. but I don't act on it. That's yeah. the difference, right? Mm-hmm. You might be like, who doesn't want fat loss results now? Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want like a six-figure business now? Mm-hmm. Of course you do. Like, why would you want to wait? Yeah. But it's like that's what like like that's not yeah. how it works, right? Yeah, so yeah. then you have to be like. I can feel impatient, but not act on that impatience. Mm-hmm. And you can feel a feeling, like you might feel hungry, but not act on it because you're like, I've got this goal of fat loss at the moment. And yeah. That's not in line with that goal. Yeah. And then I think, I think even that stems on to like, like the reward system. So like, for instance, if someone's goal is going to take them a year, but then they, they do something that isn't reward focused, it's almost punishment focused and they aim for six weeks or like 12 weeks or whatever and and they somehow get through that period of time punishing themselves they've not got the rewards like the whether you want to say dopamine or whatever like they've not got the rewards the micro rewards through that to lead them to the 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 year goal or or Mm. whatever whatever the delayed gratification goal is um and no one can sustain that for any period of time and you're also approaching it from a place of restriction rather than abundance and I think one of the best bits of advice I could give to whether it's my younger self or is start to think about adding things in rather than taking them away first of all like Mm. whether it's I know it could be as simple as more fruits and veg or um, adding in a podcast or adding in a walk or like adding in a jet like rather than think about what you can um what you can take away that you love yeah, <laughs> like yeah. a coffee or, or whatever else like where what can you what can you add in I think yeah. that it's the reframe isn't it it's, instead of saying I have to do this it's I get to do this mm-hmm. and this is like the most underrated part of dieting mm-hmm. is you could look at the same actions right so you might get up every morning and go for a run now you can tell yourself you love to do that makes you feel good makes you more productive during the day puts mm-hmm. me in a great mood I come home and like I'm happy to see my partner, whatever, I feel great about it. And I can be a little bit smug because I did something positive at the start of the day. Mm. Or you can say, I have to do this. And if I don't do it, I don't deserve my breakfast, right? Mm. One of the, it's the same action. One of them is very restrictive. Mm. One of them is very empowering. And same as if you're like, oh, hey, Emma, do you want this chocolate bar or do you want an apple? I could be like, I can't have the chocolate bar because I'm dieting. So I'll have to have the apple. Or I could be like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to pick that apple because that's more in line with my goals at the moment. And then I can feel quite good about that because I've made yeah. a choice in line with that goal. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like it, when people say this diet is restrictive, it's your mindset that makes it restrictive or not. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you get very low calorie diets, which are inherently restrictive. But for the vast majority of things, it, and in every context, right? Like if you start applying that to your whole life, like I get to go to work. And you see coaches who get start to get busier do this of like, oh my God, I've got to do another mm. this or I've got to do that. And it's like, whoa, take all that away, like, you get to do these things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think reminding yourself that it's a choice is important. Like, if I've got a really busy day and I just feel a bit run down, I'm like, no, you could cancel everything. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I, like, sit in bed and I'm like, I might just cancel everything today. And then I'm like, oh, but I actually, then I realise I do want want to do, do like, I want to do these things, Mm -hmm. right? And you just get stuck in it. Same with your your goals. It's like, you can eat whatever you want, whenever you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if you want this outcome yeah. and you want to feel good, 
like these are the choices yeah, yeah, you I guess should you make. Need to figure out kind of what's what's worth it. Like I shared something yesterday about like when people go out for meals and stuff. Like uh, I called it like the power of threes. So like if you've got alcohol, you've got mm. sides, you've got starter, main, dessert. Like if you've got all these things, choose three of them, right, at a maximum, and then the the ones that naturally stick out to you of like ah, I really need that. Those are the things that are worth it. The things that aren't, even if you put that to two. Like if yeah, you two from three, diet, that's like, what we normally do. Um, whether it's like, because there's so, like you can go out for dinner and then screw up everything or you can go out for dinner, enjoy it and still like, so this is where really finding that um, needs to be really broken down for a lot of people. Have you um, read the article, Fuck Yes or No? Mark Manson? No, I don't think I it's about that. It's about dating actually. I translated it's dying but his article is about like if someone's not a fuck yes I've I've not read it but I've heard people say that yeah yeah yeah. but so I changed it to fuck yes or no because I don't like swearing too much so with like the example you've given of like something Mm. jumping out you're like oh yeah that starter or I've been thinking about that or like I looked at the menu yesterday and like that's what I really want but another good example is like if the dessert menu comes around and you're like nothing's totally jumping out at me that's not a puck yes so that's a no yeah. right and then it's yeah. like you choose your indulgences and you enjoy the hell out of them but you don't overindulge and you mm-hmm. just decide like yeah i really want that but actually it wouldn't change my life if i didn't have that mm-hmm. yeah no 100 percent. i think uh where this is where I'll, the whole thing of like do, do you know how, you know how Gat, gary vaynerchuk is mm-hmm. i remember for a while when he kind of first came like he's been doing it for ages but like when he kind of first became like on social media properly like with a name if you like i followed him almost like too religiously to the point that i jumped out my bed at 4am like buzzing right and uh i i found i found that that was like too and he was always talking about like self-awareness but at that point i was not self-aware um and he's like oh self-awareness i was like yeah self-awareness like you've got no idea what that actually is and i think it's not until you actually kind of grow up and i feel as if even in the last three years like i've completely because if you don't mind me asking, I know you say you never ask a woman her age. Like, 31. 31, right, okay. So I'm, I'm 20, I'm 30 in November. But I always find that people at, at a certain age tend to, like, sometimes I'm speaking to even coaches that are, like, 25, coaches that are 23, and I'm like, I'm so far removed from, from, from you, from a life standpoint, but at the same time, just from, like, a... I don't know, an understanding of like the stuff that matters standpoint. Uh, and I don't know if you find that hard when you're in even just conversations in general, when, when you're speaking to someone that they're, when they're not on your wavelength, do you find it hard to maintain a conversation? Sometimes people are speaking to me and then I'm like, what the hell did you just say? I've just switched off. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I (laughs) wait. What? (laughs) What did you say? No, no. I I get where you're coming from. I think it's hard because when you realise, like a good example of this, I think there's two primary examples that like stand out to me is kind of an understanding of happiness and like how everyone always thinks they'll be happy when, right? Like primarily, probably with our clients, when I weigh less, I'll be happier. Mm -hmm. And just explaining that to someone, like the first time you explain that to someone that that isn't the way it works, they're like, yeah, 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 but I. I still think that's the way it works, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you actually do it over time again and again, use different examples and you talk about the research around happiness, you talk about baseline happiness and all these theories, then, and you give examples of like 
look, you think you're going to be happy when you're driving around in a mm -hmm. fancy car in Dubai, but mm -hmm. when you look at the happiest people in the world, they don't actually have more. In fact, yeah. those people that have a lot are often really stressed and highly strung and mm -hmm. are always looking for something else and they're always looking to prove themselves to someone else. They're not actually happy. Whereas these people who, on the surface, don't have very much, have a huge amount of happiness, and that's because they've decided to be happy now, mm -hmm. and you've got more than enough to be happy. Anyway, that, and then also people thinking that they'll be happier when they make more money as well. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time, you need to achieve it to realise. So, yeah. so, for example, it's like, oh, I'm, when I'm shredded, I'll be happy, and uh, then you yeah, get an 100%. abs, and you're like, oh, life is exactly the same, but I've got abs. Huh. And I eat less. That's yeah. literally. That's I think it. it's Naval Ravikant that's something like it's easier to meet your goals and then accept that they weren't what you expected than to like accept they they weren't what you expected yeah. before you meet Cause, them. Because then you're not then you've not got this like pipe dream of like what if that happened. I hundred percent. I actually done a the last event and I done my clients. I I called it the pursuit of happiness. So it's actually on the podcast. It's actually my most popular podcast because I sent to everyone um, about before they set a goal. So like talking about the kind of three things when it comes to like happiness. So obviously you need like boundaries. Um, you need to understand where your values are, where your core values are, where your aspirational values are, and then at, at the end of it, kind of realizing the fact that you need to be quite intentional with what you do. Um, and that's what you were talking about. If something's not got a point, you're, you're yeah, kind of yeah. switched off to it. And I think this is where, um, like, in the start of it, I talk about the fact that happiness doesn't exist. Like, happiness is, is, a, is a fleeting feeling. It's like motivation. Mm. It goes away. It comes it comes and goes away. And it's nice when it's here. But happiness is, like, basically kind of constant con contentment with your kind of situation. Because if you're constantly looking for something else, great. It will get you further. But it will also get you higher to then crash, like, like uh, a deeper crash whenever you get to that point. Um, but I, I definitely find that with a, like a, a physique side of things, like especially when people like leave the program, once they get to that level of like, they're feeling great they're, and they think, so when you're motivated, you struggle to find a time where you're, you're, you're not going to be motivated again and you're feeling good, but then something happens in your life. And the issue with the emotional cycle of change that I, that I share with my clients is that it's repeated, like it's repeated through your whole life. So some mm. an environmental shift, if that's what we're going to talk about, any sort of environmental shift, whether it's a change in career, whether it's a, a, a birth of a um, a birth of a child, whether it's a death of a loved one, whether it's a positive or a negative change, there's always that cycle of change where you then you're going to have to adapt to that. So if you're not self aware about your values and all the stuff that means a lot to you, then you'll you're never you'll never have that adaptability ever because you'll always be focused on, right, well, I can't do this because of this. And then you'll blame things like, um, whether it's ADHD or whatever else, like, because that's something that I think a lot of people have, they gun towards focusing on, right, I've got, whether it's um, menopause or I've got this or I've got that, that's why I can't lose weight or like thyroid issues or, or whatever else. Like, there's no one saying that these things aren't, more difficult for you as an individual but at the same time that's still possible to to get you to yeah. closer to i think what's goal. hard is that people will read like a side effect of menopause is weight gain which is true mm. but it doesn't have to be right so and i guess that's why people... a calorie deficit doesn't work yeah yeah exactly and, that, and they're like the some i need to do something massively different and it's not really like it's certainly harder and I like 80% of my client base now are menopausal women yeah so it's what i specialize in mm -hmm. and it's harder 
but from a physiological perspective, the same thing, like, you know, calorie deficit still works. Mm -hmm. It's just harder to stick to that calorie deficit, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what you need to work on as a coach. Like, it's often sleep problems or really mood a lot of the time. And you're much more likely to be depressed or suffer with low mood. And that makes it harder to then take the actions which you know are going to make you feel better. The, the whole idea of menopause is slightly out with your control. Um, and this is me going off on a tangent with menopause and I'll, I'll kind of bring it back. But I think this relates to anything, anxiety, depression, um, all of these things that I think is such a, like, it's a hard topic to talk about because like sort of uh, the other day there was there was, there was was a post um, from a pretty well-known podcast, I actually respect, but um, he removed his, his post because there was so much like negativity and backlash about it, even from myself, because I, fe I felt as if it was... Um, very like in like insensitive to the people that actually go through it and i think this is the hard part i've probably said a couple of things that can be taken slightly out of context from this podcast that people think like that's a black and white statement he doesn't mm -hmm. agree with this he doesn't agree with that within yeah. the context yeah mm -hmm. and i think it's whatever label that you have mm -hmm. it should be for an awareness of what you might struggle with and then to find solutions right mm -hmm. it's the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset mm -hmm. like fixed is like I've got this, thus I can't do anything. Growth is like, okay, I've got these constraints. What can I do about it? And I will say like probably the thing that helped me most with, like I had this like, well, still I guess got dyslexia, ADHD at school. My parents almost ignored it. Not in a bad way, but really in like, okay, cool. So you can't spell very well. You need to go to these classes. Mm -hmm. Like, so you need to work harder. Mm -hmm. That's it. It wasn't mm -hmm. like, so you'll never be able to do this. Mm -hmm. It was like, okay great then you're and the thing is things change so much so like I always struggled to read mm -hmm. but now I've read so many books through audible like yeah. and I can't I, I don't think I mean I don't think I've ever finished an actual book mm -hmm. but on audible like that's now easy for me now years ago you know like when you're at school and people like, well you won't just carry around a calculator yeah well actually we do now right or like mm -hmm. you might be like well you're never going to be able to you need to learn to read these books because you're never going to be able to ingest that information mm -hmm. Well, you can now, right? And so many things are like technology is catching up with things so that yeah. you can well, do these things in different ways. This is different. And I, I, I'm, I'm tempted not to touch on it. But what's your thoughts on chat GPT? Because I don't know about, enough about it, but I think like... Technology. Yeah, I think it's going to be huge. And I think anyone that... will be huge, yeah, 100%. ...is like burying their head in the sand, which I am to an extent because I just don't have time to learn about it. But yeah. it, it, you need to be up to it's it. Really, it's actually really helped me... Um, the last few weeks I've really started using it and I put it into my group yesterday um, and there was a bit of kickback with it like you're now not able to think for yourself or whatever else mm -hmm. but it's even from like, a, like a, an ADHD perspective I've found it really helps me because I'm extremely creative um, so I sincerely appreciate the support just make sure you're subscribed the more subscribers we have the bigger the podcast gets so I'll go and I'll get immersed in something that's creative but there's a crutch that stops me from doing it so let's say I create a recipe I'll um, then be like, I'll voice over how to how to make it, but then I'll not write what the description is because I'm like, that's boring. And then if I do write it, I don't even spell check it. Yeah. Um, so for me, I just then put it into chat GPT and I say, like, this is roughly how to make it. There's probably spe spelling errors and stuff in it. Can you just, can you write me a description? And then it's like 200 words. And I was like, no, half of that, please. And then for this new book, um, it then basically does that part for me. So I do all the creative stuff. So it actually allows me to get more work done, not feel like a failure at the end of the day because I'm in paralysis because because of that. So well, I think, to be fair, you'd normally get a VA to do it, wouldn't you? 
Yeah. Like, you know, and, yeah. and it's like, this doing it probably just as good, if not better. Yeah. yeah. So, so my be... flatmate was using it the other day, and he, he, so he's into crypto. Right. And he was like, do a, create me a podcast on the news on Bitcoin this week. Podcast just, topics? No, no. Records the whole podcast for you. Like, obviously, it's like an animated voice. Right, okay. But so. you, do you know what you can do now? And one of my mates runs a business doing this where they'll like animate your voice. So I don't know how much you have to do. Like obviously you have yeah. to say a lot of words. And then it would literally be like you could send voice notes to your clients, but it's not you. But the hard part about that is then I know we're tangent a wee bit here, but the hard part about that is then when it comes to the legality side of things, like yeah, yeah. people um have AI of their faces and then their voice Scary, and then like, yeah. like people can get framed for murders and all this sort of stuff. So like that they're obviously with something so kind of rev- revolutionary like the internet or anything everything comes with pros and cons mm-hmm. like everything like there's nothing that's all good so i think you need to obviously take what you what you want from it but it's coming whether you like it or not I but, think, and i, I think, think all that it. stuff it is quite scary like i mean we've got the like technology now to like clone humans and stuff right mm-hmm. but the, you're just not allowed to do it mm-hmm. but that's not to say that like people won't mm-hmm. or in the same with ai it's like you can do a lot of stuff and they're going to have to regulate it in some way, but there's, there'll always be a way around that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, Because I think with, with with AI, people don't even know what it is yet. Yeah. Like um, like my, my father-in-law, for instance, I, I, I showed him something, I was like, write a letter for this and that. And then uh, he was like, oh my God, that's so, that's so quick. Yeah. And then uh, I was like, right, now make it into a poem. <laughs> and then it read this poem and I was like, it's, it's mental yeah. how, how clever it actually is. But it, it's so weird because then you'll get some people that are like still so tech illiterate, mm-hmm. right? That will be like, what's an app? And then yeah. you're like, wow, this is all the stuff we can do now. And yeah, yeah it is. And not even, not necessarily like older people, just like mm-hmm. even some of the PTs I work with, I'm like, what, so you're still sending out a Word document? Like, yeah. Yeah, like, you know we have, like, millions of apps that do this for you now. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, like, well, if you, if you understand it, it'll make your life easier and then you can focus on the stuff and we're talking about happiness that you can you actually mm-hmm. enjoy. And I don't think that's... A, I, I genuinely don't think that's a bad thing at all. Um, but I think even just to round up kind of some of the stuff that we were talking about, like, so that it doesn't get taken out of context... <laughs> um, Obviously, whenever whenever it comes to anything that you've either been diagnosed with, whether it's recently, whether it's a, a while ago, I, I find that because everything is a some days are better than others. Like everything's a, everything's a spectrum, right? Some people, what what I don't agree with is people just going, oh, "I've got ADHD, I've mm. got this, I've got that," and even like self-diagnosing um, on a whim. But at the same time, if something is a struggle for you, it is a daily struggle for you, like there is solutions that might not work every time, but there, there, there is solutions in order to make you get out of the current situation that you're in. And one of my favorite sayings, because it's the, the literally the, the most simple saying ever, and it, it's very pungent, is if nothing changes, nothing changes. Yeah. Like, I thought you were going to say that. Yeah. I love that as well. Because, well, I mean, like, if nothing changes, nothing changes, but it's not even, not even necessarily true. If nothing changes, then... You stay where you are. And the other one, yeah, the other one I like about that is like not making a choice is a choice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you're choosing to stay where you are. So Mm -hmm. if you're not like doing something to better yourself, if you're not happy where you are, Mm -hmm. then staying where you are is also a choice. Mm -hmm. I think people forget that side of it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I can put I completely agree, and I think that the the choice side of things is that th- that people put things off. I can't remember exactly the. I seen something recently, and it was like a triangle, and at the top of the triangle was like the percentage of people that are ready to change now was like three percent or something yeah. like that, and then there's like like the deliberation stage of people that maybe with the right environment and everything else will potentially make a change and then you get the people who are just like not even aware of it so like this is obviously my last point because i don't want to, to have this drag out too much because i know i don't have no idea what time i might even check the camera if it's filming but it will be um but in terms of the like the environmental factors i always find that environmental factors can potentially be the, the hardest part in order to like change because some of them they're so ingrained whether it's family whether it's best friends or whatever like what's been your experience whether it's for yourself or clients from whenever someone's trying to make a change that environmental factors like like completely like taking them the opposite way even though they've got the intent to change themselves other people have other yeah i think there's a james clear quote about this which is something along the lines of like it's often easier to change your environment than to change yourself but really mm-hmm. the two come hand in hand right and I speak to a lot of clients that like I, I just have no willpower mm-hmm. and then I speak to them about like their environment mm-hmm. and I'm like you literally surround yourself with temptation yeah like I don't need willpower because I don't keep shit tons of chocolate in my house yeah or like I don't sit at a desk with like the only snack being celebration box right like you can create an environment where you're like okay well actually i've got something else i'd rather have that is actually in line with my goals Mm -hmm. people don't think about that they just think it's inherently them that is Mm -hmm. bad or bad or like lacks willpower or Mm -hmm. lacks something and now you have to think about like our whole environment is obesogenic now like it's so easy to get food Mm -hmm. it is actually quite hard to go out of your way to be active. Most of our jobs are sedentary. Mm-hmm. With AI, they're probably going to get even more so, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to create an environment that allows you to be active, eat a healthy diet. And that's only going to get harder because of our food environment. Mm-hmm. So you have to make those conscious choices. Mm-hmm. I read something the other day that like the standard Western diet is like 75% ultra processed food or mm-hmm. processed food. And you think, you know, and there's there's really interesting studies that are actually for nutrition studies quite well um, controlled, which is kind of rare. In that, if you eat a more processed food based diet, you will habitually eat about 500 calories more. Mm. Right? If you eat a more whole foods diet, you will habitually eat about 500 calories less. Mm. We don't think enough about the food choices that we're making mm. because some of those foods, like I know now that if I ate half a donut, I'd probably be more hungry after the donut than I am right now because yeah. I've tasted something sweet and I want a bit more of it. Yeah. Whereas if I ate an apple or a salad, I'd probably be more satiated after it mm-hmm. because it's filled me up because the food volume's higher because maybe there's some protein in the salad, whatever. Mm-hmm. Food choices matter and they matter in terms of like your health, obviously, but also in terms of the total calories that you're going to consume. Mm-hmm. And I think we don't think about like food choices, environment, those kind of things enough. Because environment's massive. Like I done a, a post yesterday or the day before, no, two, two days ago, and it was about diet juice, right? And diet juice, obviously, anything in abundance is going to be nothing's great for you in massive amounts. Like even water, people can drown, yeah. drown themselves. So, like 
the thing is when it comes to diet juice everything or anything in the fitness industry i always think people think very black and white good or bad when the gray area is where you need to live because like i'm i'm not adverse to either or i think you need to also go with the cards you've been dealt with the environment that you've got like rather than try to completely like omit something from your life if that's triggering for you and that encourages you to have 20 cans of diet coke a day or whatever then potentially that is something you do need to address it or cut out then if it is something that helps you stick to a diet for instance having one can a day stops you from then going into a binge uh, restrict cycle that's healthier and that diet coke or like coke zero whatever is is healthier than the the water because like a month down the line if you're only drinking water you're only thinking of that so it's knowing the devil's in the dose so it's and this is where it's all linked to like self-awareness and everything else because there there is a solution to to everything when it comes especially when triggering foods so i think even when it comes to like brands of stuff so like there'll be certain foods and brands that are very much triggering uh when you whenever you have them it's very hard to like stop um but then if you were to find something that maybe is a six out of ten rather than a ten out of ten for you in terms of taste it satisfies the craving enough that you can have that more often um than than this one um and i think there's there's that gray area of like right swap this for that um okay the calorie wise it might be the same but then does that lead to that and lead to that and And then also remember that like just because your response to a galaxy at the moment is to eat three more bars of it Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it always will be like these are things you can learn like moderation is a skill Mm -hmm. and you can learn it and actually once you do you start enjoying things more like i can guarantee that you'll enjoy that small bar of chocolate more if that's what you're having compared mm-hmm. to if you start binging on chocolate afterwards mm-hmm. it's actually not an enjoyable thing and it's it's like often if it's actual binge eating it's like out of control it's mm-hmm. not that you're enjoying the food it's that it's a compulsion mm-hmm. but you can work on these things and you can change these things and part of that might be environment so if my clients are struggling with like when i eat chocolate i just end up eating or like have one biscuit i eat all the biscuits right mm-hmm. that's sort of a mindset and a self-fulfilling prophecy that you're telling yourself as well and when you look at the environment that you're in, sitting in front of the TV at home with a full packet of biscuits, mm. you can quite easily see how you think, when I have one, so I eat them all. Yeah. Whereas if you're at your friend, like if we were here and you're like, do you want a biscuit? Yeah, you, I'll you have a biscuit. Have and then like, there is no opportunity for me to then eat all of them. Yeah. Right? And it'd be completely that would inappropriate. Be a, that, would anyway. be a, that would be a problem, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you th- and then you think, actually, what you always remember is the times when you're sat at home and you eat all the biscuits. Mm-hmm. Not all of the times that actually you didn't do that mm-hmm. and you had one and you enjoyed it and then you moved on with your day. Yeah. And you need to start remembering those as like wins mm-hmm. as opposed to just, because we have such a negativity bias that we'll notice all the times that we fuck up, but mm-hmm. none of the times we don't. Like if you're like, oh, I didn't hit my calories today. Yeah, but you did for six days a week. Like, that's yeah. still pretty, that's, that's great. You know, yeah. like, what about all those days you did do it? That mm-hmm. we just focus on the one time that mm-hmm. we didn't. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, like, a big thing to kind of work in. Because so much of it is just mindset. Or, like, I'm a perfectionist. I'm all or nothing. And it's like, you might be now, that's the personality trait and the self-awareness to know that. Mm-hmm. But the whole point is that you work through that mm-hmm. so that you're not. And then your point about, like, being all or nothing with foods or like in fitness we create these dichotomies of like I've just talked about processed foods right they're not bad mm-hmm. eating 75% of your diet is processed foods yeah. that's bad right if you have like I probably have like 90% whole foods mm-hmm. 10% ish processed foods like protein bars protein shakes they're all processed foods 
they're not bad. It's like the poison's in the dose, as you said. So I think being able to see that and have that balance and same with like, you'll get these questions all the time. It's like, are diet drinks bad? No, but also yes. Mm. You know, like no in moderation, but yes, if you're having them like five, six times a day. Mm. Yeah, no, 100%. Because I think where, where people like struggle to, they're looking for a concrete answer. And I always think on the internet, you'll find stuff. Because even before I was a coach, but like, Whenever I was going and trying to lose weight, when I was 14, 15, I would Google, I would Google stuff, how to lose X amount of weight and X amount of weeks. And you would find something. I remember the one that was like, like uh, tilapia and broccoli diet or something like that. And then you would do that for like two weeks. It works, Lose it? a bunch of water weight or whatever else. And you'd be like, oh, right, great. I'm going to do that. And like, do you know who Camille Nanjiani is? No. Um, he's a, like actor in Hollywood, but he was, he was in some show and i've seen a clip of it and i've taken a store from and it's like the thing is like he's like this is it's not like a video game you can't press save and where you're at so this is where you need to actually just enjoy what you're doing and also understand that you're going to gain weight you're going to lose weight like i know um do you feel as if you've got a pretty good understanding of like where you kind of maintain and mm. um because like you've been like very very shredded and then you've obviously kind of maintained just at like a level between that and i find that only in the last probably couple of years I've found a real um like understanding of my body in terms of like okay if I take it to this I go to there if I take it to this I go to there I'm not tracking my calories in years I track my mm. recipes that's about yeah. it and it's just knowing that there's a scale of maintenance maintenance isn't a, a destination it's a it's an understanding of your circumstances and your environment at that given time for that given period of time and being able to then like yeah. adapt around that is... it's such an important point like if you want to maintain results you need to maintain the behaviors that got you the results mm-hmm. it seems obvious when you say it but people don't really think of that now i always explain it like this to clients if i gave you your dream body or your end point body or your goal weight or whatever right now you would just revert back to the body that you have because mm. of the behaviors that you're you know like if you live a certain way now then your body will revert back to that yeah so actually the process of achieving that goal is how you learn how to maintain it and like a good analogy for this is like a garden right if you had a gardener come in and you've got this amazing garden you wouldn't expect to come back in a year and it looks exactly the same yeah it would revert back to what it was before Mm -hmm. unless you maintain the garden yeah same with your body like you have to keep maintaining those behaviors Mm -hmm. what people sometimes miss is like you're not always going to be in a deficit right yeah. it's always going to be as hard so like that and five, actually 600 calories yeah. is, is you've got it now like, yeah to, and then also change. like maintaining muscle is a lot easier than building muscle yeah so like i don't i don't do half the amount of training i used to do i don't track calories i haven't done for years i actually never really tracked calories mm-hmm. i just found it really monotonous and boring and mm-hmm. i'd get like halfway through a day and then i'd be like oh this is boring mm-hmm. and really people are like how on earth did you do that and i'm like we only started tracking calories, like maybe what people, I would even say like five, six years ago, it was like, now it's the thing. Everyone has this app, everyone's doing it. And it's like the go-to now. And I'm like, if you just eat relatively consistently and you find that you're not getting the results that you want, mm-hmm. reduce your calories a little bit. Yeah. If you find you are, keep doing it for a while. You don't need to track adapt. calories. You can understand calories, I think. Mm-hmm. So like there's an education process on like, an avocado is okay it's like it's it's healthy but it is higher in calories so like if you're going out that night maybe an avocado isn't the best choice because you're going out for for dinner so it is as much as a healthy choice um so like this is where 
people if they have an understanding of like what has a lot of calories and what doesn't then they can make make uh pivots around what they've got going on that week or that day or whatever versus like think right I, i've only got 500 calories to have at this point and this and this but as realistically if you find habitually what works like we're creatures of habits like yeah. i always talk to uh, my clients about staples i've got hundreds of recipes and that's all the paralysis analysis thing where like what what which one do i choose choose a few that's it like choose a few adapt around it change some flavorings and, and that is it like you'll be fine you'll get bored of it eventually you'll pick like you, you only get so much capacity or you ever heard of the spoons analogy no no um i, I changed it to like a cups analogy um because i didn't have any spoons i done something on it and people tend to like get um i can't remember there was i think it was an actual study but like it's it's like a, an inanimate ob- object like represents your energy for the day uh-huh. so let's just say you have 10 spoons for the day whenever you have those 10 spoons you can allocate some to your family okay, you can allocate I have some to, and then the issue i find with it i don't even know if this was in the study or not but this is my take on it is like the issue i find with it is like say you get 10 spoons there'll be certain things whether it's environmental factors whether it's lack of sleep whether it's habit like negative habits and stuff that 10 spoons becomes eight mm. but if you start to add in good habits that 10 becomes 12 and you've got more capacity and more bandwidth to spend on the other stuff. And but I think- also it's all a choice, right? So like, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about food choice. I would rather make those choices ahead. So like I normally have roughly the same breakfast and lunch most days, more flexibility at dinner, whatever, similar snacks, some kind of fruit, maybe a protein bar or something. Yeah. I don't have to think about that anymore, which means I've got way more brain energy to think about all the things Understand. I actually care about, yeah. right? And same with like making choices that like going forward like making choices about your food i just think it takes up people's so much of people's spoons or brain power yeah and then they don't have it for other things like the whole um who was steve jobs always wears the same stuff right mm. or, or did always wear the same stuff because he doesn't want to make that choice yeah. every single yeah. day it's yeah. like yeah. It, it, pointless decisions mm-hmm. and yeah. you only have so many decisions and then you get this is why people make really shit decisions in the evening because mm-hmm. you've got decision fatigue. Yeah, exactly. And you yeah, see it all the time, the especially with yeah. like nurses or people who are in doctors, whatever, who work either shifts or just have like important jobs where they're making decisions all day. And they're like, then I overeat in the evening. I can't understand why. And I'm like, yeah, because you've made all of these really important choices. Then in the evening, you're going to make poorer choices, right? It's always when you text your ex. It's always when you buy shit you don't need on Amazon. And actually, I normally have this rule where I'm like, after 8 p.m., I don't make decisions. Mm-hmm. Like, they can wait until the morning. So you can put all that, like, Amazon shit in your basket and be like, if you still want that in the morning, you buy it at 6 a.m., but the likelihood is you won't, right? Yeah. If you still want to eat a share-sized bag of Doritos at 6 a.m. tomorrow, you go ahead, you do that. Even even 10 minutes? Like, yeah, just like, sit, pause like, with it. Yeah, yeah, just sit with it for, like, 10 minutes and go, do I actually want this? It's so hard to do in the moment, but, like, I think that is it. It's just a practice. It's well, like, it's even, like... It's making decisions and not just following what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Like, did you actually oh, decide fine. what you were having for lunch or was that just the easiest option that was there? And then, and that's fine with like food choices. Like you can think about that a little bit more, but most people do that throughout their whole life, right? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't decide to go to uni. It was just what everybody else was doing. So I was like, well, that's what yeah. you do after school is you go to uni. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the things, when you look back, you're like, I wasn't making decisions. I was just following the norm. Mm-hmm. And so many people get to like, whatever, 30, married, kid, house, whatever, 
a job that like nine to five they didn't really love but it, it, they didn't make any of those decisions they were just like that's what people do at this age that's what I do I've been mm. with this person five years we have to get married oh after you get married you have a kid oh we've got a house oh like and do maybe think, they don't do you want think, that do you think like this is probably uh, you don't need to delve into this right but this kind of just came into my head you think that's like do you think this is a has its benefits do you think it also has a detriment because you're so against the like the societal norms things do you think there's almost a part of you that like whether it's relationships or in jet like do you think there's a part of you that is like well that's the way that society works so like i'm i'm going to do something different yeah. do you think there's a part of you that like maybe would benefit from parts of it but like you're 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 kind of i know it's like a fair position no no like, no like, i think uh no i don't because i don't think any of those things are bad in fact i think if you've chosen them i think that's fucking awesome mm -hmm. right i'm just against it being like the only way to do things or people not questioning it mm -hmm. even when you think about like I'm not into this, but like non-monogamy. Mm -hmm. Like most people are just like, well, you know, no, you're with one partner, you get married, that's what that's just the norm. I think you should choose that as opposed to that being the norm. Like you should be open to, yeah, you could have multiple partners, you could do whatever you want, you can sleep with men and women, or you can, you know, like whatever your sexuality is. And then you choose it based on your preferences, as opposed to like everybody gets married and has one partner. Which really when you think about it, like isn't that normal? Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm talking like bigger picture here, like hundreds of years ago and whatever well i think i think that the, the part the part of that that there's probably a totally different podcast right i'll need you i'll need to do a zoom one with you or something but uh i think i think with that um where also like 50 percent of managers or something end in divorce or something yeah, along yeah. Those more than 50 percent. and yeah. i think a lot of that stems from like what is it 97 percent or 98 percent of our lives are lived in autopilot right mm. and that that being the case and when you talk about intention and being intentional that that stems with your partner so being very intentional with with who you're with and and being intentional together of how you want to mold your life versus just going into like right i now have this job or i have this or i have this like i'm always speaking to kirsten about like right what do we want do we want to move here do we want where do we want to live right so when the kids are like otherwise years will pass time's going to pass anyway and then the biggest thing that i never and this is this is probably what gets me by a lot of the time is that I don't want to ever live with the regret of not trying something. So like whether it becomes from shutting down the gym, we were going to get a transit van and just travel travel about. That didn't happen. COVID and then obviously married, kid, kid on the way. Like we're still getting itch to go up. Like so like you know you're talking about that kind of if you still want it, it's still an itch. It's still happening. Yeah. So we're still making that a thing. So I think this is where a lot of time people go, oh, I can't do this because of this. Well, see if it means enough to you, you'll make it work and you'll make it otherwise you will always wonder what if and if you like if you speak to people who are older like for instance like my my grandparents are really old right now a couple of them are not got much longer left um and you just you can see and the way you speak like none of the stuff mattered that you're thinking about right now um and you, you see that some not necessarily regret in what they're doing but like i can't imagine they're thinking about what sandra said to them three weeks ago um and and i win because she was jealous of x or y like i've just made up a name but i don't know why it was quite sandra <laughs> i just got a client called sandra um but it's nothing to do with her but i just think that people tend to think so much about like these small things that take up so much of your energy and i'm definitely guilty of it when realistically put yourself on your de deathbed and put yourself at the end of life what matters mm. and what matters is that you've actually intentionally lived your life and then you can go 
okay, well, maybe I didn't make the best decisions, but like at the end of the day, it's like it's my life to have made those decisions. But the worst thing you can do is not make the de- not make the decision or make the decision out of fear or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or because that's what you think you should be doing. And I guess that's my point. Like, if you decide you want all these societal norms, that's great. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm fully in for that. Like, I'm not against any of those things. But I think the whole like regret minimization model of like how you make decisions. Mm-hmm. No one's like. There's uh, loads of articles on this, but I think there was a book on it as well about like the regrets of the dying and it's always I wish I'd done this mm-hmm. this and this it's never like I wish I didn't I yeah. really wish I hadn't started that business that didn't work out mm-hmm. it's like I'm so glad I did that and I learned a ton from it even if it didn't what, work out because that's what it is like if you look back at any situation in your life and then you go would you change that like would you mm-hmm. would, see like you don't get all, any lessons from it right so whether it's some form of traumatic experience like whether it's like breaking up with a partner, whether it's breaking up with a friendship group, like would you change that if you didn't get any of the good stuff that came out of it at the back end? The majority of people would actually answer no. Some people, I'm assuming, would answer uh, yes, whether it's trauma or whatever else. So again, don't tar me with that brush. But I, I do think the majority of the, the things that are negative in our life that is a positive, whether it's in a year's time, whether it's like, and it all all kind of stems from that. So um, yeah, no, I, I completely yeah. agree. And, and you think like, one door shuts and like I think this hit me like relatively recently that there are so many more things that I want to do than I will ever have time to do Mm. and now I see when like I can't do something not inherently as a negative anymore because I'm like the opportunity cost of time means I just focus more on something else right Mm. and I think being injured so I had a really bad back injury a couple of years ago and that stopped me exercising for a period of time but it also massively grew my businesses because mm-hmm. I was like, well, I can't spend my time doing that. So I'm going to funnel it into something positive. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, the realizing that or like recently I kind of realized like my PhD failed. Right. And that's actually was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me in hindsight. But it was also quite painful. Right. And I always left like the door of that ajar a little bit of like, well, one day if I want to go back and do it, I'll go back and do it. Mm-hmm. Just because it was hard to completely shut off to it. And I was sitting on a train the other day, or maybe like a couple of weeks ago now, and I was like, I will never do that. I think it was just realizing like my age and like how business is going and how like and, and what what ben- what benefit is oh, it? Oh, it would give me nothing. It would give me nothing. I just yeah. always kind of like had this thing of it was probably to impress or... like impress my parents, right? Because yeah. they're both academics. They couldn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. But it's like my own internal thing. Mm. And it was quite freeing. But it, it is interesting, like when you think of it like that, when you think actually there's more things that I want to do than I'll ever have time to do mm. so certain things being shut off to you isn't necessarily a bad thing it just means that you're like focused in a different yeah. direction yeah 100 percent. and it's all really it's like the what would you say the, the the two or three things that you choose like you've you've not got you've not got capacity for yeah. starters main desserts so yeah, you want yeah. to go you just need to focus on them it's also so related um I've got no idea what the what the time is so I'll kind of end it uh 11 we're all right then but um, so we spoke about environmental factors. We spoke about kind of being diagnosed or with anything, but then having almost like a like identity paralysis to where you can't do X or Y because of this kind of diagnosis. Um, and then, like, and on that point, there's positives to everything, right? Like when you look at the stats, most entrepreneurs have ADHD or dyslexia, or and or dyslexia. Is it most, or it's like a very high percentage anyway. 
so there are obviously beneficial traits. Now, that's not to say there are huge negatives, and I think that's often what's missed in mm -hmm. social media at the moment. But I think people should see it as like a label should be an opportunity to learn about yourself and then figure out how it's going to work for you and realize that it might not work for you the same as it does for other people. Because mm -hmm. because everyone has like entrepreneurs years ago were weird, geeky people, yeah. right? Whereas now it's like, a, oh, I'm an on, I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. It's like this kind of like cool thing. Whereas like, like you look at all of the like inventors and, and all these sorts yeah. of people, like they're all nerds. <laughs> like they were just people. Yeah, that although were, like, like I do think it's sometimes a weird, I would never be like, I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. Because yeah. like, normally it's some like, yeah, yeah someone who's like mm -hmm. got, I don't know, some weird little side hustle. Yeah. It's like entrepreneurial traits. Like I, I could never, yeah. I could never like work for someone solely. Like, um, and I, I, like I, if I look at any of my jobs, like they've all been like, like worked in spec savers and ever, I found a reason to get out of it. Mm. I mean, part of the reason is because they make, try to make me wear sunglasses. So it was in Dundee. Uh, they tried to make me wear sunglasses because I boxed as well. So I used to come in with black eyes. So they tried to make me wear sunglasses. And I was like, I'm not looking like a blind person working <laughs> in spec savers. Like, come on. Um, so then, yeah. I did That's it. so funny. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't get, I didn't get sacked, but um, I was probably going that way because I remember uh, it was... And was it first year of uni? Do you remember? Do you know? Uh, do you remember Sin City? It was a. Uh, it was like in. Don't know if you ever went to the, the union or not, but like oh, it was okay, like a, yeah. a Friday thing, right? And I worked on a Saturday, and then there was this girl there that seen seen me out in the night out, and I obviously didn't show up to work the next day. Um, and then obviously she she grasped me and whatever else. So then I was like, right, so I don't get rejected. I'm gonna quit. Yeah. <laughs> and after right. that, I, I just I just quit. But I think I think that's it. Like a lot of the time. Like, I found that when I was in uni, I didn't really thrive unless there was a creative part of it. And mm. I think where a lot of people think that they've not got any purpose, they've not got this, because purpose is so related to everything. But, like, where I feel like I've now got at least something figured out is the fact that I do find that I've got purpose. This podcast gives me purpose. My businesses give me purpose. Being a dad gives me purpose. Like, all these things. Um, and I think it's just finding the, the dosage the doses of what is the focus because one thing that I've had to kind of let go of is friends. Like I've got so much in my business. I've got so much in family and kind of where I want to take my life that my friend group, like from school, like obviously I was, it was kind of dramatic at the time, but like I broke up with them. Like, it's not like a, it's like you guys are just like completely removed from, mm. from where I'm at. And I think that environmental factor actually really, really helped. Like, catapult me forward um, yeah you don't realize how much the people around you can hold can, you back yeah impact you even things like tall poppy syndrome as well or just like some people maybe aren't they want you to do well but they don't want you to do significantly better than what they're doing yeah mm -hmm. i think a lot of the coaches i work with kind of struggle with that especially if they still live in like their hometowns mm -hmm. It's just like little jabs and stuff. Like they used to be really supportive and now it's like, oh, now you're making this much or now you're doing this. Yeah. Who do you think you are kind of thing? Yeah. But I think you just have to rise above it. Like I still, I, I bumped into someone a while ago and they're like, oh, do you still do that thing on Instagram? I'm like, yeah, that's, mm -hmm. what, that's yeah. what I do. Like how, yeah. how are you enjoying your nine to five? Right. Like, but whatever. Like, yeah, people, but people, I guess people don't understand and I just linked to the, the other thing that we're talking about with Edith. People don't understand it. So then mm. you, Kirsten says, like, why do you tell people? Like, obviously, I'm a bit of an oversharer. I'll, like, tell everyone when I last went to the toilet. I don't care. Um, but, like, I just overshare everything. But 
person says, like, why do you why do you tell people they don't understand it? So whenever you say it, they're like, first of all, they don't care. Yeah. And then second of all, it's almost like I feel like I need to tell them just in case they think a certain. Well, thing. see, I was the complete opposite. I didn't tell anyone. Mm. Didn't tell anyone I was dyslexic or had ADHD because I because there's so much like negative connotations with it. And honestly, I had my own of thinking like someone else who like I I thought it was a negative thing. So I didn't want anyone else to be like, oh yeah, but she's dyslexic, so like, mm, yeah. probably isn't like, wouldn't want to work with her. Yeah. She doesn't really know how to spell, blah blah. blah. There was a part. So of I me, was quite. Part like, of I didn't really that, tell like, people. The clients, I didn't really want to say anything. I'm mm. not even really like, I'm not like announced it necessarily or anything like that. But like, I, I won't avoid it. Um, and I think, it, but I think partly, although the, I was speaking about the negatives of social media and how people are becoming more aware of it so now more people are getting diagnosed but then also other people are getting invalidated i also think there is more of a an under not necessarily an understanding of what it is but like an understanding that people that are successful have it mm-hmm. um and then you look at all the people that actually have adhd or, or any of these things and they're like oh like that's why they were so hyper focused on this thing yeah. and you can just take the good with the bad i think because um very rarely you'll find someone who is like so organized with this this and this and they've not or the lack of organization but the creativity and innovation and everything else but they've not got something that on some kind of spectrum yeah yeah. yeah. so i think i think that's definitely that that's definitely part of it and that's probably why um this podcast has gone for about three hours um but (laughs) i'll I'll wrap it around here so um the the last two questions i ask every single guest is um, the the first one, if you were to give yourself advice from like the last however many years, like what would you give advice to your younger self? Like what's the most like pungent bit of advice you would give yourself? I always feel like this is such a cop-out answer, but like I'm really happy where I am and I wouldn't really want to, you know, the whole like butterfly effect thing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I learned a lot. I made some stupid mistakes. I wouldn't really change any of them. I'm really lucky to get to where I, have and then i guess it would just be like don't worry as much yeah i think we spend so much time it's it's on its way yeah sort of thing or like i remember starting two masters dropping out of them starting a phd and then that bit like and i beat myself up so much during that time and i was like why don't i know what to do like what am i going to do like and i was only like just finished uni right so it's kind of like a period of time where people are like what Mm. should i do i'm not really sure tried being a full-time personal trainer i was like my brain is dead working in the gym Mm. tried working in a lab and I was like my like I don't speak to anyone this is Mm. shit Mm. and I was like I need something that like works that side of my brain and that side of my brain and there isn't a job for that like essentially it created a job like now I have businesses that I get to do all the things that I love like I get to pay myself to geek out on studies to research for EIQ Mm -hmm. and I get to coach people and I get to build people's businesses and like but that wasn't a thing. So I guess it would just be like, stop stressing so much. Or trying to fit, fit into a box that yeah. doesn't necessarily exist. Yeah. I found that when I was doing my master's, and that was actually when I actually became depressed. It was, and that was an environmental factor. So mm. it was a, 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 a factor of, you would go in and you'd be in this kind of studio with people doing PhDs and whatever else. And, and it was all like, a, I don't know if you found this, you need like a hierarchy yeah. of like, like you all don't make very much money but then it's like the only thing you've got to to go on is the fact that as an academic I've got a, a, a another gold star next to my name and I was obviously the youngest there um and even the guy that was doing the masters with him there's only two of us 
uh, we're working together on projects and he was a bit older. He's probably he's probably my age now, maybe about thirty. And uh, I, I just found that I could feel his like I could feel his like him condescending me in certain ways. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so much better than you in other ways. Like so I think that I found that in academia, like there's a mm. lot of egos. And yeah. I remember like seeing the same people at the gym and I was like, I would never make you feel the way you make me feel mm-hmm. at work here, mm-hmm. even though here I'm like, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. You look, you obviously don't know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a weird thing. And then when they realized who my mum was, who's high up, mm-hmm. I got treated completely differently. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I think, but I think that's it. Like, if you've, I've, oh, I don't know if this is stemmed from that or not, but like, this is probably a completely different topic, right? But, oh, it's the same topic, but I don't know, I don't know, literature, you might, uh, of, the exact reason why someone my understanding of why someone has ADHD stems from the fact that there's a gene but then when the brain's developing uh, adrenaline and cortisol potentially stop the development of your ability to produce dopamine effectively Um, and a lot of that's like a stress like a trauma response and it doesn't need to be a dramatic trauma response but it could be a busy parent someone who and then there's like a, a detachment from from them and that's definitely something that do you do you feel as if there's there, there was an element of that and then because there's a part of me now and the reason why i'm so i want to understand it so much is because obviously i'm now a dad and i want to make sure although my dad he was a he was a he was a great dad he at the same time was very I, i've always known him to be like very focused on his business focused on his work very much like myself yeah. But I want to make sure that I don't create an environment. So it's like you get the gene, and then you get the environment. Right. I don't want to, want to make sure I don't create the environment so that Rosie or no name, we've not named them yet, <laughs> our son that's due like two months, uh, is going to potentially have like be predisposed to to that situation as well. Because I think that's definitely something that again with with self awareness, like I don't know if there's an answer to it at the same time but like how like what is your view what's your understanding on the actual trigger response like like how that yeah it is interesting the other thing I think is that the same child in the same environment can respond very differently as well and I think it's great that like parents have more awareness now of like oh what's the attachment style going to be if I do this or like I'm worried about this but I think you can over worry about it mm-hmm. and sometimes like to an extent what will be will be mm. and you can do your best but I think you can torture yourself thinking oh my god if I leave him crying for five like is he going to have an anxious attachment style mm. or like actually if I always go to him will he be completely dependent and blah like there's pros and cons to everything and you'll read like much like with most things like you'll read one side of an argument and another side of an argument and they seem to contradict each other mm. So I think, yeah, I mean, I'm certainly not a parenting expert, but there's a, yeah, there's a lot. And and looking at, like, my own upbringing, I can see why certain things happen, but I wouldn't change any of it. Mm-hmm. And I actually think a lot of the traits that would be, like, classed as ADHD traits to me, like, I'm actually quite happy that I have. Yeah, because you don't know what you don't know either. Like, I would rather be the way I am right now and be <laughs> struggling forward, if you like, than, than not, because I feel as if like the other way to, yeah. my, to me is boring <laughs> so yeah. like that, that so everything has its but even do you have siblings 
Yeah, a wee brother, yeah. Yeah, so like me and my brother are complete opposites. Yeah, so 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 are we. Kinda kinda works works for me, but like we're so different where I'm so scatty but creative and he's very like analytical of like what, mm. what he does and why why he does it and, and whatever else. So um yeah, very different. And you probably and now like even the environment that you grew up in is slightly different because like firstborn and secondborn and like what your parents were doing at the time and all there's all exactly, like all yeah. these things that like you can't control mm -hmm. but to a large extent it's a similar environment mm -hmm. and yet you get and very similar genetics mm -hmm. and yet you get completely different personality traits like it's like identical twins, twins they, yeah. they still come out with yeah. like very different personalities and yeah. so you you can't you can't like control a lot of those yeah. things yeah nor would you it, want to exactly you try to control too much yeah like versus like i think if you're aware of it great and you can make the appropriate things but there's there's certain things that just happen like if yeah. it's going to happen it'll happen uh, so on a light-hearted way, uh, to finish off the final question, probably the most difficult question, is if you were to have three meals for the rest of your life, but you were still you still had to stay in shape, what would it be? Oh, you still had to, to stay enjoy, in shape, and you still had to enjoy your life. Okay, pad thai is my favourite. Okay, so. for breakfast, are you having that or? Oh right, okay. <laughs> I thought it was just three. Right, I mean, okay, you, yeah. like you can have for, yeah for dinner. I'll, I'll have probably. pad thai for dinner. Um, Breakfast would probably be. It I doesn't mean, need to be traditional breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but like you would need to rotate them every day. Every day. You can have curry for breakfast if you want. Oh no, I don't know about that. Although I really like kedgeri. I don't know if I'd want it for breakfast. Do you know what that is? Yeah. It's like this, like India. I think Indians have it for breakfast. Well, not all of them, but like in India, you sometimes do. It's like fish, rice, sultanas. Right. flakes of almonds and then like egg in there as well oh, it's right. actually i'm gonna go with that because right. that hits a lot of M macros macros yeah. yeah and then i guess i'd have to have something like probably a salad for lunch because do you know what i will say salad done well is very good and people are like oh salad mm -hmm. you've not made a good enough salad so mm -hmm. salad of some kind for lunch and then then that'll hit my macronutrients keep my my, my micros, yeah, and keep my um, gut microbiome happy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's for another podcast. Yeah. Well. Right, well, it was great to have you on. So, well, thank you so much um, for having me. Do you want to plug your Instagram or whatever else? Yeah, so if you want to follow me to find about anything fitness, nutrition related at ESG Fitness and anything business related is at AF Mentors and then the education course is at EIQ Nutrition. And they'll find that anyway all through if they go to your Instagram yeah. and your bio and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so. I'll link it below. Um, but thanks so much for coming on. Um, and hopefully this is recording. And until next time, <laughs> we'll see you in the next one. Bye. So if you enjoyed today's episode, I sincerely appreciate the support. There's three things that you can do that's really going to help the podcast grow and actually going to benefit you. One, just make sure you're subscribed. The more subscribers we have, the bigger the podcast get and the bigger the guests get. Two, make sure you leave a rating. That helps so much. And also, number three, if you message me on Instagram, screenshot that rating. I'll send you over a resource of your choice. No questions asked. Just a thank you for your support. So as always, I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.